Welcome to the Twilight Conversations. My name is Jimmy, and in this podcast, I will be exploring human relationships, human potential, and that curious space between the dark and the light. So, hello. Hello, I love you. Won't you tell me your name? Name that band. I think it was The Doors. Of course it was. Jim Morrison and The Doors. I feel like a DJ now. Jim Morrison and The Doors. I feel like Alan Partridge. <laughs> the pedestrianisation of Norwich. Anyway, how are you? Good afternoon, evening. It actually is kind of twilight as it happens, which is appropriate for the twilight conversations. So, um, what I'm going to talk to you a little bit about today is... Um, I am going to do a recap, if you like, because there are quite a few people uh, that listen to the podcast, like bump into, um, and I'm always mysteriously bumping into these people I do in the course of my week or day or life, um, saying, yeah, I like that, but I didn't like this bit, whatever, stop talking about fucking Trump, can't, um, but I'm assuming everybody knows everything that we've done from the beginning or that I've been continuing to do. So they were kind of, well, what's the deal with the narcissist? And well, could you say more about that? And is everyone a narcissist? And uh, all of those type of questions. So I thought I'd try to give a, a kind of an overview um, of what is a narcissist, right? Uh, the different kind of types, even though we know they're all the same underneath. That's hugely, hugely important. Uh, and I really want to say here, again, you know, people argue about this a little bit. There's, there's a bit of narcissism. There's all, is there? Maybe there is, maybe there isn't. I'm talking about full on, right? We know the difference between someone being a bit self-centered about something and a bit, you know, prickly about something. But a, a kind of a pattern of a full on kind of very toxic, uh, abusive style of relating. It's a, it's a maladaptive style of relating, really. So I'm going to, that's what I'm talking about here. And someone else said to me, uh, a Croatian woman said to me, you know who you are, Croatian woman. Uh, you're a bit hard on the narcissist, aren't you? And I know what she was getting at, you know, and I don't, she hadn't heard the last one where I looked more at uh, kind of the personality of Trump and the woundedness of Trump, for example. And... I suppose I was reluctant to get into how wounded the narcissists are in a way because I know for people that are affected by them and they're in the thick of it, they see that as a bit of hope that they can kind of maybe help them. It's a bit of a catch-22. I'll come back to that situation, right? Because we can't, you know, even less so than you can help an alcoholic or an addict. And you can't help an alcoholic or an addict unless they want help. But there's lots of interventions you can make. Narcissist is a different ballgame altogether, right? So, yes, it's really, really important that we see there's a woundedness in the narcissist, which we'll talk a little bit about, and I have done before. Trauma in the same way that they traumatise people, in the same way that people who often end up with narcissists may have a history of trauma, or this may be their first rodeo, um, in that sense. And that, that, that I won't say it's easier, but uh, it, it's fresher, because... What can often happen is if you're already carrying a little bit of trauma from some past stuff that you're not aware of, it gets triggered when you meet that type of personality. And invariably, if you're not really aware, maybe of the impact of what woundedness is like on you, the chances are you're probably recreating situations with kind of quite abusive, addict-y type. You know, not, I'm not saying all addicts are abusive, they're, they're not at all. Best people in the world, as I said, once they get into recovery, even if they don't. But that kind of people that aren't available for a relationship, let me put it to you that way, 
you know, they're not available to really love you in the way you need to be loved and, and deserve to be loved and, and all of that. So, uh, there you go. Uh, Miss Croatian, I don't want to name you because you don't be my, you may not want to be named, but she made a really, really important point to that. She did acknowledge she hadn't listened to the other podcasts where I go into more detail about the kind of psyche of the narcissist, you know. Uh, she thought, and rightly so, it wasn't probably helpful just to call them cunts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which they are. But, you know, fair enough. Absolutely. There's much more to them as human beings than that. Absolutely. And, of course, I think being the honest person she is, she was thinking, well, we all have a bit of narcissism. Does that mean I'm that? You know, and of course it doesn't. No. I'm talking about full on up the spectrum, if we're looking at it as a spectrum. Very high pattern, regular pattern, very abusive. And I'll go into some of those traits uh, as the podcast goes on. So we're going to look at the an overview of the narcissist. Who is she, he? Um, also, um, the again, the flying monkeys, the people that are around them, because a, a, a narcissist cannot exist in isolation. There has to be people around them who will do their bidding, do the running for them, take it up the ass from them, whatever way you want to put it, take the bullets, take the hits. And they're usually a kind of a combination of maybe wannabe narcissists themselves. Trainees, I call them. I think there's narcissist college where they all go, you know. Because it's fascinating all around the world, regardless of culture, they all get that same kind of vibe going on. Interesting, isn't it? You know, the human family. Uh, but yeah, they're kind of like apprentice narcissists, some of the flying monkeys. But some of them aren't. Some of them are people who are very much affected by narcissists but feel very wounded and caught into them and for safety reasons they're staying in, in, in on the, trying to stay on inverted commas their good side and they're making the fatal error that I've made many times and we all make of thinking if I treat them with love and care they maybe will respect me and it'll be okay and I'll be safe and with any other human being yes not these ones not this type um I'll also say a bit about how narcissists may get help. And again, I'm waving a flag on that one because if you're really hurt by a narcissist very much and they do hurt you and you're in love with that person or they're a family member or a good friend and you desperately want them to be okay, you may be lulled into a false sense of security that you can get them help. There is a help available if and when they want it. They don't often want it because of the arrogance and the grandiosity and they're really afraid deep, deep down. Avoid the trap of thinking maybe you can get them that help. I mean, put your put your put your armor on and say, by the way, there is a therapy for you guys. They don't think they're those guys, is it? That's the problem, <laughs> you know. So that kind of help uh, often becomes available at the end of their narcissistic career, if you like, if you want to put it that way. But I will come back to that. I will. Um, so I look at that. The flying monkeys, what, what supports narcissism, what keeps it alive, what keeps abuse alive, you know, and as for those of you that listened to the last podcast uh, where I was likening it to, to Trump and the MAGA world and we looked at Trump's woundedness, if you like, and the kind of craziness that goes on. How is this allowed to continue? You know, how is this man allowed to stay out of jail, for example, you know? The kind of, I don't know, if you follow that, if you look at it at all, it's, it's a fantastic window into narcissism playing out publicly in front of everyone on cameras <laughs> it's all there written it's all there so it's like incredible how the, the kind of world has been caught into this world flying monkeys the world has been caught into the cult of Trump you know thankfully not all of it but but too fucking many as far as I'm concerned 
um, who should know better, you know, I, I will say that. I'm a bit pissed at some of them. They should know better, you know. So, um, did you know as well, actually, I can't, uh, I can't, Trump is a trigger for me to start taking the piss. But I will say I have acknowledged his humanity. Did you know he's also um, a magician? Did you know that, Trump? Uh, and he's, he knows telepathy, apparently. Um, if you've been following recently how he has, uh, they found out they, uh, the FBI had to do a raid on his, on Mar-a-Lago, my home. They didn't take off their shoes. Not nice. They weren't nice. <laughs> they weren't nice. Yeah, because you're such a nice person, Donald, aren't you? You know, I don't know whether they took their shoes on or off, you know. Can you imagine Trump's kind of country home in Mar-a-Lago being the kind of place where you wouldn't mind taking off your shoes? That'd be really nice. Like a Rolling Stone. Um, I can't, as I said, I, I connected to them with Dylan. But, yeah, I mean, he's had all these, he stole them from the White House, right? So he's... What is he, nearly two years out of the out of the White House? Now, he thinks he's still the president, of course, because that's a real narcissistic thing. No one topples me, I'm the top man, you know. He think, So he took all these classified documents and some high, high, top, top secret stuff, you know, and they're hanging around down in his country home with all types of punters wandering around, nuclear secrets and all that type of stuff. Anyway, he stole them, shouldn't have them, you know, they're not, they're not his. But he did a real classic narcissist trick. All the conversations and since this happened in the last month of all about did he classify them? Did he not are they classified? Are they not? For the criminal charges, it actually doesn't matter whether they're classified. <coughs> Excuse me. That's just a bit of a sidebar. Important, but not that important. He's been prosecuted because he fucking stole them. <laughs> they're not his. He took them, you know. Uh, obstruction and all kinds of stuff. But anyway, what makes him, he's, he's, he does telepathy now and he's a magician because in a recent interview, um, his <laughs> lover, Sean Hannity on Fox, again, I reluctant to call them dudes, the Fox propaganda machine, he's doing this interview. And God love Hannity. Hannity fucking sticks to them no matter what. He's, he's, Sean Hannity humiliates himself in front of the world just to stay in Trump's good graces. Uh yeah, yeah, so tell me, uh, tell me, they call him, still call him Mr. President, you know, Mr. President, they still call him Mr. President, so Hannity's one of his chief flame monkeys. Um, so what's the story with the declassification? Well, you know, there seems to be a lot of confusion around this. He said, you know, I, as the President of the United States, um, you know, someone said to me, sir, he, so when he's talking about himself and someone else, he refers to himself as they said to me, sir, um, we got these boxes, blah, blah, blah. Are these classified? And not many people realize this, but as the president of the United States, Clavin, I, I can declassify them with my mind. I can just go, ula bula, abracadabra, and they're declassified. <laughs> right? Unbelievable. On the world stage, he's coming out with this idiot, idiot, idiotic fucking nonsense that he can somehow magically you know no, nothing of the sort and again I, I think all his loyal beloved fans they hear that and they kind of go yeah what a genius the rest of us are going like you fucking moron 
<laughs> Stop insulting us. Anyway, I thought that was very, very funny. So he's a magician now, just telepathy. He can de declassify secret documents just with his mind, with the Donald mind. Donald Jedi mind trick. <laughs> um, anyway, so you're going to go off on one on Trump. But uh, it's, it's, it's real classic. But he's, uh, yeah, again, the walls are closing in for sure. Now, we don't know whether he'll get the jail time or not. He absolutely should, and, and a whole clutter of people around him should. All the sycophants and enablers, they should all get locked up. You know, because what I would say to Donald, and I would say to all his cronies and sycophants and arse lickers and all his fans, if you can't do the time, don't do the crime. It's as simple as that. There are men and women locked up all over this world now who have done some shitty stuff but they're taking it on the chin, they're doing their time. This piece of fucking piss, this coward, does everything in his power to avoid. He let everyone else around him get jailed, but he won't. And that's narcissist city right there, you know. You're all getting thrown under the bus. There's no loyalty. So um, I'm going to talk about flying monkeys more, what they are, how they work, how they don't work, why they're there. Um, just again, like a, a, a kind of a recap and I'm going to talk about the different types of narcissists, even though they're all the same. The process, what goes on in the relationship, just the kind of stages that can happen. And then I'm going to move more into recovery. You know, and this is all interlinked with trauma and addiction. So I'm just going to clarify again, addiction can mimic narcissism, but it isn't. There's, there's lots of overlaps. Um, and the proof in the pudding is when someone gets into recovery, changes their behaviour, what looked like narcissism just drops away very, very quickly. And you've got a splendid human being. You couldn't ask for better. If a person is also narcissistic, that won't make a blind bit of difference. Now they're a sober, <laughs> recovered narcissist. They're a bit sharper. <laughs> they're going to be worse. They're what we call the dry drunk, you know, the dry drunk syndrome. Um, and, you know, watch out for That's where you're wishing they go back using again or drinking. you got some peace. Um, I know I've mentioned that before. So I am, spoiler alert, I am going to revisit some of the areas. So if you're looking for something completely brand new, you may not get that. I don't know. But you may be a new uh, listener or you may be someone that, ha that, that forgets some of that stuff um, or doesn't realise it. Or I'll try and put it differently and give a different kind of flavour to it if I can. So my apologies in advance if, if it feels a bit repetitive for you. I hope not. Um, because I'm aware I, I work with this all the time and I deal with it, so I'm used to it. But listening to one or two podcasts from me or from someone else maybe isn't enough. You know, you might need to hear more and more rep repetition, you know, what this is uh, and, and so on. Okay, so what we've got really is, let's look at what narcissism is. What, what is he or she, you know? Uh, we know... This is what's called narcissistic personality disorder, which is, is a diagnosis. It's in the cluster B personality group. And the cluster B personality group are the group uh, who inflict a lot of pain on other people. Some intentionally, some not, but they don't care, right, basically, as opposed to other uh, psychological disorders or mental illnesses or personality disorders that don't really bother other people too much. They kind of leave you alone. They're, they need a lot of help where this particular group uh, is 
quite vindictive uh, and, and hurtful to others, even though they do suffer themselves, right? But then making sure you go down with them and, and worse. So just to be aware of that. Um, what do they, what are their kind of, let's see, what's the red flags that you're getting involved with a narcissist? We spoke about this before the stages. I mean, because there's no, uh, they don't have like a, a particular like, um, what would you, what you call it, a neon sign. Narcissist, you want a bit of fun or stay away? Do you want to fuck your head up? Come on, be with me. In the beginning, they act and behave like a normal human being. And in fact, one of the red flags in the beginning is they can be fantastic, right? Now we all, all know the honeymoon uh, stage of any kind of relationship. Let's kind of focus on the romantic relationship. The honeymoon phase all relationships have it. So, you know, I've often, people have often said to me, oh, look, I'm after meeting someone and they sound like it's all love bombing going on, Jimmy. You know, I'm saying, not necessarily true. Every relationship has the kind of love bombing phase, but that it's, it's a different vibe in the normal relationship. In a normal one, the honeymoon period's there. We're all our best selves in the beginning. That kind of fades a little bit. We let our real selves out a bit, but our real selves isn't too bad. And, you know, we get to like each other and it, it kind of mellows out and it's good. You know, that's normal. And then, you know, we hit bits of magic here and there. And that's, that's, we all realise it can't be exactly like it was in the very beginning. Um, there's a lot of addiction around that, isn't there? Like the euphoric call, I want that original feeling. Heart pounding. <laughs> he, she walks into the room. <gasps> Heart skips a beat. <sighs> Your whole body changes. Your energy changes. You know, you don't see anyone else but them. That's kind of nice for a while, but that can get a bit... Tricky, you know. So there's a little crossover into addiction there. Just be, notice that into maybe codependency, into I mean, I get addicted to the feelings and the chemicals that go through my system. I get addicted to, and it's not about the other person anymore. It's about this kind of fantasy dream I have of this wonderful ideal person. And of course, the illusion is I think I'm a for them, and of course I'm not, you know, um, in that sense. But like, by and large, that's quite a normal process where we meet someone that, and, and we have that phase. What's different here, the big red flag with the narcissist, you may notice it a bit earlier on. In, in that kind of honeymoon phase, in the love bombing phase, they're purposely love bombing you. And it's a couple of kind of, as I said, red flags you might notice there if you tuned in. One is you kind of feel you're being interviewed, if you like, or groomed. There's that kind of feel to it. It's hard to kind of notice that because sometimes the feelings are so good, the chemical release is so powerful that's going on. You're just enjoying that. I mean, who wants to say, oh, I better stop and check, is this a narc now? Because it's good fun and maybe it's not. And da, 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 da. But the red flags are there. Most people will say in my experience when I'm working with them or just chatting to people, they'll reflect back and kind of go, I kind of did see that, but I ignored it. I didn't really know what it was. I was just overcome with the feelings. So again, go easy on yourself if that has been your experience. It's very, very common to have that, you know. Um, if you're lonely or you're a bit bored and then this someone comes in and fucking sweeps you off your feet, so to speak, and they, 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 they know you're everything about you, you know, that's the other red flag. They seem to, and they have, see, nurses research you. And it's much easier to do that now online, you know. So uh, so they can make it seem like that they're connected to you. I like pizza too. Remember that in Friends? I like pizza too. Not that I was a mad f fan of Friends. It was, had some good moments. I was more of a Seinfeld. Uh, I'm certainly a Kirby Review enthusiasm type of follower. But 
uh, I think it was Phoebe. She was doing that. that was, and she met someone. I don't know whether, I can't remember what the circumstances were, but she was trying to connect and relate. I like pizza. I like pizza too. We're meant to be together. That type of feeling, you know. Um, they'll find out all your stuff. So they'll, it's a bit creepy. They do research it, you know. And they can see, they may be a random stranger who you've bumped into, or they may be someone you know through someone. So they find out about you, you know. There can be a nice bit of that. I mean, we all do a little bit of that. That's that's fine, you know. Like, oh, I wonder who he is or she is. I wonder. That's fine, you know. And you you check with your friends, and your friends vouch, ah, oh, he's okay, she's okay, or not sure, you know. But these seem to know much more about you than they should know, and it seems to go beyond just them being intu- intuitive. But they they play on the fact that they're really intu- intuitive, and that they you know they were meant to be. We talked about this before. We're soulmates. This is the connection, and it's a very explosive connection. And I, just very few human beings on the planet can resist that. You know, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. It's the saying that goes there. In we go, hook, line, and sinker. We're human. Why wouldn't we? You know. Because at the time you don't know if this is just fucking fantastic or this is really sick. And your your tummy is telling you both. <laughs> you may be doing somersaults, there may be flags getting worn inside you, you know, but you're not listening, you're kind of going, shut the fuck up, I'm enjoying this. You know, it's almost like you have your sensible friend with you inside you and you're trying to knock them out. <laughs> shut up, I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Let me pretend to fantasize. Um, so some part of us may know, but sometimes we don't. So that's a, a, a real kind of giveaway sign, that kind of very intense, very intense feel. You're, you're kind of nearly moving in with them on that day. You know, you're off to Paris with them that night. That's usually signs, big gestures, sweeping stuff, you know. And again, you just might happen to meet someone who's really romantic and they're not nervous, they do all that. But along with all the other stuff, you really get to get to see it quite quickly, you know. I'm just going to get a sip of water. Hold on. Hang on. Especially with sound effects. Some people say, get them sound effects out of there. I don't care, I like them. Um, They're quite extreme, rigid and flexible, you know. They lack subtlety, nuance. You don't see this in the beginning. They're kind of dull and unimaginative, you know, that that kind of way. Um, Once the spiel runs out, you know, that kind of way you start to see that they kind of script themselves into your life, you know, in that way, you know. You'll be a lot of bragging, maybe. You start to notice that. They seem confident at first, but it's a bit overconfident, it's bragging, which isn't really attractive, but you kind of go, oh, well, you know, it's good that he or she, kind of, they're very sure of themselves, you know. Um, empty bragging. They're pushy, controlling, you know. Allergic to the word no, unless they're saying it. Watch out for that one, you know. Uh, shifty, they're inconsistent, uneasy, uh, words don't match their actions, they're all about optics, how it looks, that type of thing, you know. But sometimes the mask slips, and I don't, you know, we don't want to see that in the beginning. The mask will slip, and um, you might see it, you might see it in a restaurant, you know, someone, may, maybe the way they might treat a waiter or a waitress, or, you know, I think I said in one of the earlier podcasts, I always observe how people treat people who are serving them. You know, bus conductor, or not, there's no conductors anymore. There's an age giveaway, right? Remember conductors and clippies back in the day? Um, yeah, there's a, there's a trip down Ad Nauseam Lane. Um, 
I used to love that, you know, the, the bus conductors. Anyway, whoever it is, whoever that, that's serving them, uh, someone behind a counter, someone, you know, someone in the service field. It's usually always a giveaway sign how somebody uh, you're with or you're observing treats them, you know. I'm not expecting that, you know, you say thank you all the time, but you're looking for basic respect. You're looking for some sense that the person has, like, this is fucking hard work that they're doing. It's easy for me to come in here and sit down and say, yeah, give us a... Uh, uh, sausage, bacon and eggs please thanks very much you know, do you know what I mean this person's run off their feet they don't get paid very well they rely on the tips you, you, you get what I'm talking about you're looking for an appreciation of that you know um, as opposed to you know looking down on someone like that you know uh, you're looking for someone who knows I could be doing that work and have done that work and there's nothing wrong with it whatever the work is but that's that's always a little giveaway and narcissists will let the mask slip sometimes around that not initially they might be on their best behaviour, so to speak. But nurses have disdain for anybody they mistakenly believe is beneath them. Because they're always aspiring to be part of some other cool gang that's never you. <laughs> you know that kind of way? It's, it's always, they leave you with that feeling all the time, you know? They're always bragging about this particular, you know? But they have equal disdain for the people above them as they do below them in their distorted minds. They think there's an above and below. So they're constantly on that one, you know. That, that's why they'd be attracted to MAGA and Trump for that reason. They love all of that, like, you know, bowing down and taking a mouthful of Trump shit, you know, and uh, loving and hating at the same time. It's a very sadomasochistic world, the world of the narcissist. They, they fluctuate in that area, you know. Um, they're either looking up at you or looking down at you. You know, they're never looking at you. And that's always a way to see it. There's always, you'll know by the way they speak about those. Or watch how, yeah, here's a classic one. We can all get a bit irritated by people pushing you for money in the street. That's fine. I don't I understand that. Or you haven't got time, you haven't got the money. But they would have a disdain for anyone that's down on the luck. Maybe an addict, someone begging, you know. And at the very least, if you're not willing to stop and give a few bob, that's fine. At least look at the person. You know what I mean? Nod to them, even though they may hassle you. <laughs> You know what I mean? Um, uh, I think the I, I think Peter McVerry said it at, at some point. It may have been on the the last podcast he was on with Dean and Martin on a, a, a travel on a countryman. But I've heard him saying it before, and he's absolutely. And I've heard other people say it, and I've often felt this myself. Um, it's more important to be seen rather than given money. Seen as a human being, look at the person, ask them their name. How we, you know. And this, I had another experience where I was walking, this guy he looked exactly like me. I don't know how you know how you look. I said to him, Jesus, you're my fucking double, aren't you? He says, do I look like you? I said, yeah, you're a handsome bastard. <laughs> I had a great conversation, you know. Um, there was a time, actually, back in 1978, 79, I would have sat um, in that area near where I work, begging for money at different times any odds you're out in front of me I do the smiley bit you know that was back then didn't do it all the time but I remember doing it definitely so there might be an affinity there as well I might always like to sit down and have people walking by looking at you I was about 18 then 19 um, and that's how it was then it wasn't a regular you know if I was just down a few quid I might a little bit desperate for uh, a little bit of some chemicals and maybe some cigarettes. And people were generally good. Yeah. 
So that's brought me into that area. Well, I didn't plan on talking about that, but just it's interesting how it goes, you know, how a conversation will go. But uh, that's another sign for wrecking red flags for narcissists, how they treat people who they consider to be beneath them. Right. Well, no one's beneath anyone, but they would consider to be less than either people in service or homeless people or, you know. I mean, you can be annoyed with a homeless person because they're harassing you without being disrespectful. You know, I'm not saying we should all be fucking Mother Teresa, although I believe she was a right tyrant. But you know what I mean? We don't all have to be Christ walking through the place. But we can still be respectful and say, I'm not having a, having a, I'm sorry, I've no money, you know what I mean? Uh, and that's okay. And they may... Generally, most people say, no problem, thanks. You may get a little, oh, fuck you. But that's just someone's pain, you know. Don't mind that. So that's a huge red flag. You know, they're quite extreme in their ways. And the other big thing is optics. You know, uh, they're obsessed. Their whole interest is how they're coming across to others, particularly maybe people they want to impress. So if it's public, they watch when the mask is slipping. They watch out for that or if it's around other people you know because they want people to say, oh, here, she's great. So a lot of the shit they do is behind closed doors. So you'll have a distinct difference to how they behave outside and when you get home. You know, now you might get some of the silent treatment outside and you know you're going to have a, a tricky journey home and a big row when you get home. Well, not just, that can happen with normal people, I understand that, but with narcissists, signs, this is going to happen. Okay, so what's very important about that love bombing phase before I move off it, just to remind you of it, is this is where what we call the trauma bonding happens. So it's impossible to talk about narcissism without mentioning trauma because it's synonymous with narcissism. Both for the narcissist, he or she is also traumatized in a particular way. And those who get entangled or hurt by them are being traumatized by the narcissist. And as I said earlier on, there's maybe earlier trauma being awakened in that process. That's really, really important uh, to remember. So the trauma bond is quite complex. It's It goes against normal human logic. And again, I've made this point several times, but it's really, really important to reiterate. It's like where every instinct in you and everyone around you screams, get the fuck away from this person, but you move towards them. That's the trauma bond. The As I've talked about, the inner child is connected to the abuser. Somehow they hold my freedom in their hands. If I can get them to love me, if I can get them to treat me with respect and normally, then I'm free, then we're okay, then we've, we've cracked the code, you know. And, and that's where the trauma bond can happen. All the chemicals are released. You've got euphoric recall. I want to get back to how good it was in the beginning. We know this one. I've spoken about this. Combined with, at a deeper level, somehow my salvation is in getting you to love me like a normal human being. Okay, and of course I need to learn to do that myself. We know that. But you don't know that at the time. It's very confusing when you're in it, you know. And you're embarrassed because you know all your friends are saying, what's he doing with that fucking loser? You know, and you can't explain it, you know, at that time. So that's trauma bonding. I'm bonded to the trauma. I'm kind of like connected to that, that somehow my good feelings are going to come from there. And also in a strange way, I'm also bonded to pain, you know. So there's a, there is a masochistic element to that where pain, feeling pain, there's some kind of perverse pleasure to but it's really, it's not that I like it, it's but kind of familiarity, we know that. 
there's a familiar space to it and somewhere in this space I'm going to find the key you know so again think of the child in the family where things aren't going really well and he or she is trying to look for the solution and somehow the solution's got to lie in these two people that are fucked up right so you can see the pattern that's laid down so I'm following that all my life the chemicals are the same the feelings are the same the patterns are the same this is why we might continue to unconsciously choose uh, narcissists and or abusers as they are okay water break just for a moment okay now a quick word from one of our many many sponsors hello I'm Slaughterhouse Ronnie. I've just got two questions for you today. Listen very carefully. Question one. Are you a cunt? Question two. Do you think I'm a cunt? Right, now we've got the business out of the way. Let's all fucking settle down. Enjoy ourselves, have a bit of fun, have a drink, and enjoy the twilight conversations. Now. Nah. Okay, that's back with you after one of our sponsors. <laughs> He's a pleasant chap, isn't he? Um, I suppose, perhaps I'll name again the different ways, because when you, even when you say the different types of narcissists, they're not really different, they're all the same but just to uh, name the different ways narcissists may manifest. Because this often happens. People say, he or she can't be a narcissist because they're not that classic, right? So we've got your classic narcissist, the overt narcissist. He or she, brash, overconfident, loud, abrasive, obnoxious. They're like someone drunk all the time, but they're not necessarily drunk. Uh, For some reason, I'm always imagining they're bigger. In, in size for some reason because their they're, 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 their ego is completely inflated and they're not hiding that they're out there with it, you know if you had to choose which was the best one to be with fucking none of them but if you had to choose this is the one you're probably easier identified with and slightly less complicated to deal with you know you just know they're difficult from the word go right they're easier to access you just stroke their ego a little bit if you have to work with them you know without using up too much energy or you just stay away from them whatever way you can you know you just know and you know the signs um you know if you say nice things to them they're gonna love it a bit like trump-ish no and and again the different types can overlap with each other They're, they're not just one trump is this but trump is also quite a few of them as well um but we know them one very straightforward right they think they're better than they are grandiose Here's the narcissistic traits, as we know, right? Sense of superiority, completely grandiose, delusions of grandeur, um, controlling, pathological lying, sense of entitlement is the big one. These are the traits you're going to see. And in the overt narcissist, they're all very obvious to you very quickly. You you can kind of nearly see them. They shout, they hide out in the open a bit more, they throw things around, they tend to have tantrums. Um, they get a little bit remorseful you know they don't really want to hurt you but they don't really care you know they're a bit like completely inflated you know Um, and that's why they'll often be CEOs and and managers that type of thing you know Um, in the the caring professions in the world of therapy or or, you know 
the service industry, the caring industry, so to speak, you don't some that they can show up for sure, but the type of narcissists you get are more the covert. So they're the same as that, but they're just more hidden. They they kind of figure out well that that's not going to work. That'll work in a in a in a corporate place. You know the big faff. I don't know why I'm calling them faff. My apologies. Uh, fucking brash boss. You know classic. It's not going to work if it's a psychotherapy centre or, you know, an addiction treatment centre or, you know, a homeless centre where you're caring for people, vulnerable people. So you kind of, it goes under the radar, which is a bit worse, right? These are a bit more, I don't even call them sophisticated, but they're a little bit more kind of manipulative in that sense. The other one, you know, the brash one, they just lie like fuck out in the open, (laughs) They don't care if they're caught, you know, who's going to challenge me on the boss? You know, it's ridiculous lies, you know, but they just get on with it. This one has to be a little bit more crafty because we're in a caring, we're supposed to be looking after people now. Or the one you meet in the relationship, they're meant to be caring for you, you know. Um, They often show up in relationship and people don't realise they're narcissists until a bit later on, until you're too far in, until they've robbed your bank account, you know. And these ones are covert so they can be them, what we often call the vulnerable narcissist. Trump is this as well. Um, kind of timid, shy narcissists who, like, initially aren't at all like the force one. They're a little bit like, you know, quite victim-y, you know. But there's that kind of air about them, you know, I call it the mother or father of sorrows air, where they're, they're never quite happy and, you know, the, there's a kind of a... If you can see it, you'll feel that kind of heavy energy around them. You'll certainly pick it up. It's in the, it's thick energy, you know. Um, and they, they do all the tantrum and the other person does. They just do it a bit more. It takes them a while to get there. And they do it in a more sneaky way, right? So they're very victim-y. Um, they'll cry quite a lot. So that's a big defense mechanism. They're much more manip- manipulative. Um they, as I said, they'll kind of set you up much, much more. They use what we call stochastic terrorism. Because if they're in a position where they don't want to be looking bad, right, where it's, it's you know, you're meant to be like a, look good, have good ethics and morals if you're the manager of a therapy centre or whatever you might be, or you're in this relationship with someone, yeah, you're meant to be treating them well. So, so stochastic terrorism, it's a favourite favorite Trump uses. It's where you know there's things you will say that carry weight, that when someone hears it, they will act upon it. Enter the flying monkeys. So you need to have flying monkeys around for this to happen. You know, people that are kind of on their side, want to be in favour with them, you know. There's no pleasing these people as well. They exhaust you no matter how much you say, oh, you're great, da 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 it's never enough. They always look, have that kind of heavy feel about them. And just below the surface is the same rage as the overt one. And every so often the, the mass slips and boom, it comes out, right? But usually they act like the victim and everyone runs around them and, oh, are you okay? You shouldn't be upsetting them. You know, you have to walk on eggshells around them. You know, I hate, I, even as I'm telling you this, I, my body is reacting because I just can't bear being around. It just does my head in. It just... No, I'm not having it. You know, it's awful, awful energy, you know. And um, so the flying monkeys fall for it because maybe, you know, they 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 have their eyes on the job or they, they've got caught into some kind of, you know, psychological pleasing them type of thing. Because they set up this, can you please me? 
and they're, you know, and how they show you they're not pleased is they don't throw a tantrum, they get more sad. <laughs> Do you know what, I mean? what a weapon, what a fucking weapon to use, you know. They get more, de- they're prone to depression. How are they today, you know? What mood are they in? You're a bit tiptoey. They create the eggshell scenario, you know. And you don't know what thing's going to upset them today, you know. They, they, they have to be complimented continually and acknowledged, you know, that type of stuff. So they're much more secretive. They like this, the, the secrets they're always engaging in, you know, secret meetings and all that type of stuff. They like that. Very, very uh, blackmail type, emotional blackmail type of people. They'll set you up very quickly, um, but but not look bad, you know, because they've got that victim. They'll, they'll be the victim. I've described it before, like, they'll cut your throat when no one's looking, and then they'll get all upset by all the blood, and everyone rushes to them <laughs> while, you're, while you're lying on the floor bleeding to death. And they look at you like, how could you do this? I've mentioned that quite a few times. That's the best image I can get for them. If, if, that, if that helps you create that dynamic that's around them, you know. And I'm always baffled by how many people run to their aid, how many flying monkeys there are around these people. I don't know, are they just terrified of the upset? Are they, are they terrified? Do you remember I spoke about Trump? I said, it's not the rage, it's the, the vulnerability and uh, I suppose the sadness, him breaking down, that terrifies the world, right? Well, with the victim he narcissist the other way around, it's the rage everyone's afraid of because they're always being cry and sorrowful and, you know, oh, how are you today? Oh. They've always got so much going on, you know. They never ask you how you are. They never apologise either. Narcissists never apologise. Um, they don't take any ownership, any responsibility. They're the weapon that they hate is facts and truth and information because they trade in disinformation all of the time, you know. Um, that's their kind of currency is disinformation continually. Uh, facts kind of free, facts, facts, facts are like kryptonite to them. <sighs> you know, especially if you get a few people in the one room who share the same facts, they, they, they die. But often they set it up that there are people who, the flying monkeys there who rush in and support them and say, no, that's, that didn't happen, this happened. It wasn't that way, it was this way, that one. You know, so you get the gaslighting going on. I'll say a little bit about the gaslight in a minute. So you get what I'm talking about with the victim. The victim narcissist, the kind of timid, quiet. That's why people get thrown by them. They say, no, oh, Jesus, Jimmy, I'm with someone. They can't possibly be. They're so vulnerable. Yeah, they're the vulnerable narcissist. Just under the vulnerability is apoplectic rage. This person is bitter and vicious, you know. Something that a lot of nurses have in common is they all have the, the entitlement, of course, and this feeling like they've got much more talent than the world realises and they haven't been discovered yet. You know that vibe? That's why they're so resentful when anyone does well. That's why they always want to piss on your parade. They won't, you know, they'll, they'll never let you get a compliment. Um, they're also thieves of your work they'll steal your work as well so be careful around them whether it's written work or something you know a project you're working on and they'll take the credit for it you know and they do it without batting an eyelid and if you were to dare imagine trying to call them on that in a meeting and how everyone would rush to their aid and they were they're the real how dare you how dare you say this about that's that's the kind of 
timid, vulnerable narcissist. So they set that whole thing up where you're you're a beast if you challenge them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where the, the first one, you can have a crack off them, but they'll just sack you. The fuck out of our job, you know. But at least you can kind of challenge them. You can have a you can have a bit of a barony with them if you want to. But the vulnerable one, no, they said it, it's all kind of ooh, horrible, horrible energy. Um, so we call them the victim or the vulnerable narcissist or the uh, timid narcissist. You know, that's how they present. But they're the same entitled raging lunatic as the first one, but worse. And then you have, and these do kind of find their way into the kind of caring professions for sure, what we call the communal or altruistic narcissist. All right? These are the ones that tire you out with all the good that they do. I've spoke about these before. Endless good, they're con- continually doing good once people are watching, right? That's why the selfies, that's why they love social media, you know, and, you know, they're always setting up funds. I've said this before, you know, for these, and, and they'll manipulate you into this type of stuff and people think they're fantastic, you know, and if you, if you happen to be in a relationship with them and you're getting the fucking brunt of their bitterness and awfulness, when they come home, it's very painful to be around that all the time. You know, God, it must be great going out with him or her. God, they're fantastic. They're just, how did they get the time? They're just so good for everyone and they're flying off here and you'll always see them with like, you know, underprivileged people and they love doing that type of being seen to be helping them, but they do it in a very patronising way, you know. So I think you get the gist of, of that particular group of nurses. The same Underneath it all, vicious, pathetic, awful, awful beings who, who are full of hate and, and just don't want anyone to have any any joy. When I hear that now, I'm just thinking of a, a, a wonderful song by a singer called Frazy Ford. She was, was, is with a beautiful band called the Beagle Tanyas. But she had a solo career as well, as often people do, and one of her songs called Done, D-O-N-E. And it's like she's been in an abusive relationship. It's brilliant. Check it out, watch the video to it. It's fabulous. Uh, but there's a couple of great lines, and one of them is, uh, my joy, my joy takes nothing away from you. And, and that really reminds you of narcissists. They, 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 they don't like you. They want to covet your joyfulness. They see, they get offended if you're joyful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's how country they are. They just can't, you know. Uh, they hate that. It, it It's a bit like it shines a, a castle light on them that they don't like. You know, my joy takes nothing from you. And I think she also says, I'm sorry that you don't like your life, but like, fuck off. You know what I mean? It's like, that's narcissists. They're feeling crap. So they're going to make you feel crap. Not anymore. I think they can fuck off with that. You know, um, you know, we're all in pain. Deal with yours. Grow up, be an adult. But that's 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 another part of the work. Anyway, so um, particularly dry throated today. I take my water. Oh, it's a great. Uh, of a few sayings actually. It's a great saying that um, I would encourage you to look up anything about narcissism. But um, Romani, Doctor Romani. Basula, I think that's her name. She does brilliant stuff on narcissism. Um, and I think she coined this phrase, narcissism is a second-hand smoke of society. What a great saying. Kind of captures that collective 
you know. I thought it was really, really lovely. Um, very clever. Very clever. She's she's done some great stuff. I'm actually going to borrow a few more of her things in this podcast uh, as well. I think that's what everybody does, and it's all. I don't think I'm not sure anything's that original. We pick up things, or you hear things, you hear things. You just try to put it together, and whatever's helpful, it's helpful, you know. Um, so they're the types of narcissists you can get, but they're all the same, really cloying, pathetic, whinging, whining, fucking cons, basically. And again, I make no apology for saying that because they are. They're they're energy parasites. They just cannot bear anyone being happy because they're not happy, you know. And if if you haven't got any, everyone has a talent, fucking work on it. Put it out there. And if no one hears you, okay, we've all got to deal with that. That's life, you know. But, but, you know, if you're not happy, that's hard enough. Don't be putting on everybody else. But they've got this big you know, entitled thing and I'm much better than everybody else and, you know, you're also beneath me and, you know, no one's good enough for me and then, then we get caught into staying with them trying to go, oh, oh, maybe you could like me, you know. Maybe you could fuck off, how about that? That that would be very, very useful, wouldn't it, you know. Um, so that's the kind of the narcissist. I'll say a, a small bit about the flying monkeys and about, um, and I've already touched on them, a little bit about gaslighting. So the flying monkeys, we know that was taken from the Wizard of Oz, the flying monkeys, they're the assistants of the narcissist and they may not be, not be narcissists themselves. As I said, they're kind of apprentice narcissists. Or, excuse me, they're very much entangled in the narcissist and they just need to try find a way out of it. But they, they could turn on you so you can't trust them. They're so in there they could turn on you. Now eventually I've, I've had the experience where someone has come back to me, someone in the flying monkey bracket and said, look, I'm really, really sorry. Uh, I, I behaved appallingly, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't always happen, but all day, no problem. Thanks for coming to me. I appreciate that, you know. They were just really caught up in it and really hurt by the person themselves. And, you know, it gets quite uh, complex in that sense. Um, so there are people that have a vested interest in in promoting the narcissist, in carrying their lies, carrying their, their, their crap, spreading their gossip, uh, they're, they're kind of people pleasers with them, they hover around them, they have disdain for anyone that kind of tries to call, the, you know, call them out on it. Uh, you know who I mean, you know the ones. You know the ones where I do it on purpose for the crack now, if I know they're a flying monkey for a particular narcissist, and they're chatting about them, I say, yeah, yeah she's a bit of a fucking arsehole, isn't she? I know that's going straight to that person, but they do that on purpose, you know. <laughs> you know, in that sense, uh, not just to be to be to be nasty, just to check, you know. And I know only this person knows I said it, you know. Um, and it'll come back to me, and I'll kind of go, "Did you say no?" You know, narcissists love the triangulation. He said, she said, who shot John? All that type of thing. They like creating the confusion, you know. Which brings me to gaslighting. From the film Gaslight, 1938, maybe. Ingrid Bergman uh, plays beautifully. Anyway, the, the, it, it started, watch that film if you haven't seen it before. And the whole idea of the gaslightness in the film, uh, he messes around. There's a whole load to the film, but he fucks around with the gas in, at that time. And she says, Is that, God, did you see that flicker of that gas that time? Did you? And 
he says, no, no, are you okay? Is your temperature okay? So basically, gaslighting is a way ultimately of trying to make you think that you're insane, which is really sinister. It's fucking awful. But ultimately, or initially, just to make you doubt your perception. You know, you didn't see what you saw. You didn't hear what you heard. It's like, oh, are you sure? Da. And it's quite, you know, dizzying. It's very disconcerting. And the name of the game for the nurses, they usually do that when you're getting close to a truth about something. They'll throw it like a spanner in the works just to, to throw you off, you know. And if they have been devaluing you and hurting you, you're more vulnerable, so you're more inclined to kind of go, oh, maybe I didn't see that, you know. Uh, maybe it wasn't like that at all. God, maybe I'm going mad, you know. And then they'll pretend to care about you and kind of go, yeah, you, you, maybe you need to take a few days off, you know. You sure you're all right, you know. And you kind of get confused. God, they're being really nice to me. But something in my gut isn't sitting right, you know. Listen to your gut. Listen to your gut. It's always right about something, you know. Um, it's it's flagging something to you. But gaslighting is very difficult. Uh, very sneaky. Very underhanded, you know. To break gaslighting, you often need another person. Or, you know, an, another sign you know you're with a narcissist when you feel like taping taping conversations that's a, a real giveaway sign because that's how you can kind of go well look there it is there but even when you do that they'll still try gaslight you they're incredible boom they'll try to tell you that's not on the tape and it's not saying what it's saying isn't that something else um, so you kind of all know what gaslighting is in, in that sense and it's why it's called that because again if you can imagine that the gaslight flickering and you saying to someone who's in the same house, did you see that? And them saying, I don't know what you're talking about. That's exactly what it is. It, the effect that has on you is awful, isn't it? It's just such a disconcerting feeling, like, where you nearly get someone lying barefaced to you, because remember, nurses are pathological lawyers. Boom, they do it with effortlessly, right? They can change pattern in, in a harpy. It really is, it makes you doubt your very existence. It's like... Is anything real? <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's, particularly if they do, um, as the narcissistic pattern continues or in the relationship, they will try to cut you off from your friends. That's a classic one as well. You know the you know the drill. You know how they do that. Cut off anyone that's good for you. They'll they'll badmouth them. They'll get the flying monkeys involved in badmouthing them and smear campaigning your friends because they know if you listen to your friends, you're going to find out that, that you're the one you're with is full of shit. All of that type of stuff goes on. It's all very insidious you know as the gaslighting another part of gaslighting <clears throat> excuse me is what we call the word salad using word salad and it's just a mixture of words and, and nurses are fucking great at doing this they just throw a whole they do it with the gaslighting and there's a whole jumble of a lot of words that don't kind of make sense and you're kind of going what, why, why are we talking about this now I thought we were you know when you have that and that in a conversation were we not just talking about no and you get mixed up and they'll bring up something that has nothing to do with what's going on that type of thing. What we often call, you'll hear me talking about the non-sequitur. Um, and there's a good non-sequitur and a bad one. The good one is the creative non-sequitur where there's a kind of an unconscious connection to everything in a beautiful way. You know, when you listen to a piece of music and you don't know why something connects with you, but it just does. That's a creative non-sequitur, I would call it. Then you'd have the narcissistic non-sequitur where they, you're having this really, really big deep painful conversation about money that seems to have gone missing out of the account and who paid what and then they begin to talk about the carpets not being clean 
at that moment and you're kind of going, I, I don't know, are they clean, are they not? And you're into, you know what I mean? Like that's the kind of uh, word salad non sequitur that narcissists use. Again, it's it's created to kind of destabilize you, you know. Uh, the only good thing about that is, you know, when they're doing that, you're, you, they're doing it because they're feeling a bit threatened you're close to the truth or truth. And you need to be with your truth, you know. Um, hang on. I have a, I particularly have dry mouth because some of you may know, like millions of other people in the world, I went through cancer and I had it in my throat. <clears throat> um, uh, one of the effects of the radiation, I'm, like I'm well clear now, years and years, many, many years, one of the after effects of the radiation is it affected my saliva gland. Um, so I don't produce enough saliva, so my throat gets dry very quickly. That's why you'll hear me sipping quite a lot, you know. If you didn't know, I think it was someone sipping. You're on the phone and someone's sip, sipping alcohol, you know. And, and they get more drunk. That's not happening. No, it's water. That's why I do that. And I, it's a small price to pay for being alive, isn't it? So anyone that we know, I mean, close friends, uh, are going through uh, cancer at the moment. Anne O'Connell, our friend, our dear friend, my dear friend, colleague, is at the moment in the middle of really difficult treatment. Uh, we'll hopefully have her on the podcast when she's well, and she will be well. Um She's going through it at the moment also. So our, our love and support to, to Anne and everyone on the planet that's going through cancer or anything that's very, very painful or challenging, you know, because pe people are going through stuff all the time, you know, just in their lives. So anyway, that's my explanation for why I keep... You might keep sipping water, what's going on? That's why that is. So that's your gaslighting and your non-sequiturus and your word salad. That's classic. Okay, so I'll say a little bit now about the... So we know the types of narcissists, even though they're all the same underneath it all. Um, and we'll say a little bit about... I've said about that. I've said about the uh, the gaslighting and the flying monkeys. And the flying monkeys will do... They'll do the same type of stuff. They're just not as polished at it as the narcissist, you know. Um, because the, the flying monkeys will also gaslight you. Often they'll get instructions from in narcissist school because in narcissist college you've got the narcissist section and got the flying monkey section and sometimes the flying monkeys graduate into full narcissism sometimes they don't and they get out the back door and they become regular ordinary good human beings again. <laughs> um, yeah. Excuse me. So I've also said a bit on the began the process of narcissism, you know, and it, it can happen quite quickly, the process like addiction. It can move quite quickly. It doesn't happen suddenly, but it kind of incrementally or kind of moves along. So we've got the love bombing. We know that. I spoke a bit about that. It's quite overwhelming. It's excessive. It's like a honeymoon on steroids. That's probably a good description for the, the love bombing. It's a bit more natural than an ordinary nice honeymoon feeling you have in the beginning, you know, I've said that. That's where the trauma bonding can happen. That's crucial, the trauma bonding, because that can keep human beings, that can keep us stuck in something very painful and toxic for longer than we need to. It can take a while to disentangle from that. Be patient with yourself, be patient with other people that are going through that. Don't shame them, they're feeling shamed enough. You know, uh, very lovable, intelligent human beings can get trapped in this crap, you know. Um, then you get the beautiful, they, what they do is the devaluing. And again, I'm, I know I'm, I'm repeating, but I'm doing it on purpose because I want to recap, reevaluate for you what we're dealing with here. We've got the devaluing, 
you know, so the love bombing stops quickly and they start to devalue, you know, the, the various put downs, they, they, they'll, they won't compliment you. They seldom compliment you anyway. You know, and narcissists seldom will compliment you other than in the love bombing phase. They won't at all. They'll, they'll starve you of that and that's, that's where they'll, you know, breadcrumbs, they'll give you little breadcrumbs occasionally so we know that one. Uh, they'll disregard you. You find they're ignoring you and it comes in, it's like, and, and again, that's where it feels a bit gaslighty, like, because you haven't said that to me all night, or, oh, I'm fine, oh, I'm sure I was just talking to you earlier on, blah, blah, blah. That type of stuff. Um, but the devaluing can get a little bit hurtful then, you know, they'll make unpleasant comments about you. Not only will they not compliment you uh, or affirm you, which is meant to happen in all relationships, they'll still leave that out completely and they'll throw in kind of criticism starts to come in. Because with narcissists, no one's ever good enough for them, you know, because they're so perfect. <laughs> no one's ever good enough. But they get a bit hurtful and they'll they'll pick on, well, they research you, they'll pick on your weak point, something they know. Like, you know, she's your nose is really big, isn't it? I didn't realise how big my nose is. It's quite big, actually. I, I love it. It's one of those Roman, Roman all over my face. It's, you know, those, there's a big bump on my bridge. Um, I used to get really slacked about that as a kid and it used to really hurt me. Now I actually love it. It's funny, isn't it, how, think, how you can grow to love uh, that yourself. But they'll pick on that if they know it's a little bit tender for you, you know, and you'll find yourself up in the mirror looking at your nose where where someone else would say, look, I love you and your nose, love everything about you, there's not an issue. Narcissists will pick on that and they'll want to hurt you. Imagine wanting to hurt someone on purpose. Now, I don't mean just in a row. You know the way in a row we can kind of say something hurtful and then go, oh, fuck, I'm really sorry. It's awful. We can do that on a once-off. These calculate this. These choose to hurt you on purpose. So they devalue your being very regularly, you know. It might be about your appearance. You get, you know, you may put a bit of weight on. Maybe you could put a bit of weight on. See how good so-and-so looks. Jeez, she looks fantastic, doesn't she, you know? Or he does. And they'll pick someone maybe you've mistakenly shared with them. You feel a bit threatened by. And they'll cozy up to them. You get me. You know where I'm going with this. Uh, so, the the that's often followed by, you know, they'll do the devaluing. They'll do the kind of like ghosting then. They'll completely ignore it. They'll go off the scene maybe for a while. You can't, you know. And as I have said frequently, narcissists always have harems or harems, wherever you want to pronounce it, of other men and women they regularly have sex with. Don't stop pretending as they do, right? Always, always, always. Everything that's been said to you has been said to someone else. They're probably even little families all over the globe. <laughs> they do, right? Because they know people start to cop onto them and they move on. That's when they do the devaluing. You might start to kick back a little bit. You might say, fuck this for a game. So, you know, it's not pleasant. Off they go. They go to their other, one of their other targets, one of their other uh, marks, as, as they call them, you know. Uh, and they'll spend time, and the whole process is going on somewhere else. Make no mistake about it. And then they'll either get, nurses get bored because they're shallow people, right? And they'll get bored and, and they'll, they'll put that on you in terms of like, you're boring and I'm looking for something better, which is an awful feeling to give any human being, right? And you're on their list and then they'll circle back around and they do what we call the hoovering. They'll suck you back in, you know, with promises, a lot of future faking. We will get married. We will, we will get the house. I will move in. Da, da, da. All the excuses, you know, like I've been working too much and I'm so misunderstood and da 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 and that. And sometimes we fall for that and we kind of go, okay, I'll give them a chance. Maybe, just maybe, you 
you know, and they'll they'll be really nice. They'll buy you a gift. As I said, they're usually crappy at buying gifts, but they might get it right once just to hoover back in, hoover you back in, you know. Uh, you know, there's that little feet album vinyl you've been looking for. You know the way you've been looking for that, and they do something that really touches your soul. It's a cunt of a thing because it's like phew, you'll always get me with that bit of music or something like. Oh, you you remember our like little feet because the little feet are among musicians a fantastic. You know, they're really respected, but they're not like a world known band in 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 that sense. They're very much a a, 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 a musician loving band. You know, fantastic, fantastic band. Uh, but yeah, they'll remember those little details, and and not because they're being kind, they'll do it because they know that's going to kind of melt your heart in that moment. Yeah, I got it, got it, and I I got some of the band to sign. No, they, they wouldn't get the lead singer because he's dead. Little George, but you know they'll go that far. It's like, oh right, God, oh man, you know, yeah, that, that's when you might agree to marry. <laughs> that fatal moment. So watch out for the hoovering. They'll come back around, and they'll come back clean and with promises and you know bearing gifts and you know it's all going to be different this time and I've learned and I couldn't live without you and I just realised you know and I was getting kind of suicidal you know blah 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 quite irresistible when that happens see trauma bond remember trauma you're trauma bonded you're thinking oh I might have cracked the code here it's at a deeper level you don't know that at the time you know so it's a cycle. So once they hoover you in, a little bit of love bombing, never quite as good as the beginning, but it's there. Then the cycle starts up again. The devaluing starts again. Right? There we are. The gaslighting comes in. And you think you're going fucking mad. The arguments happen. No, I didn't say that. Da -da, da -da, da -da. And off we go again. And then they devalue you. And then they reject you. And then they're gone. Back to their other whoever they go to, you know. This isn't just like someone having an affair. They have a hair, they have different marks all over the place where this same process is going on make no mistake about it um, and it's very painful for everyone concerned but not the narcissists because they're not in touch with it at all um, now before I move into recovery just to say to, to appeal to the very hurt wounded part of the narcissist which is there there is trauma there absolutely but I want you all to be really I say that with caution right Please don't get your hopes up if you're with one. You know, I'm not saying they can never get help. But narcissists generally, because they're so arrogant, so entitled, so superior in their mind, they think they don't need help or therapy. The ones that end up getting a bit of help are usually, as, as someone, I think it was Anne O'Connell described it, their star, their bright star is starting to, their narcissistic star is burning out now. They fucked up too many people. They're getting old. They're getting bitter and they're lonely. Everyone's copped onto them. They may then they they may have a, a moment of truth and think I need to get a bit of help. They may, right? And there is a type of therapy I've mentioned it before, developed by Otto Kernberg, and it's called I can never remember the name of this. Hang on, I, did, I think I probably did write it down. Bear with me, because I can never. I'm getting older and I'm forgetting things. What's it called again? TFP, it's called. Transferential Focus Psychotherapy, um, which is, you'd have to be a very skilled practitioner to do it, but you'd have to have a very strong character to do it, basically. But 
the, the important thing here is, it doesn't matter how skilled a therapist you are or aren't, the narcissist must agree to the program, to the process. And it's a whole program. It's not just a once-off therapy thing. And it basically involves really uh, deconstructing the narcissistic mask and defense mechanism, uncovering the rage that's there, and then getting to the vulnerability and the pain. And then they often get quite suicidal. You know, people are getting afraid of that. You know, because they know they've been cunts to everybody and they've, they're lonely and they've never really, they're in a lot of pain. They've never let anyone get close to them. Blah, 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 blah. Again, that's after lots of work to get there. They have to agree to that and they have to agree to grow up and take responsibility because we know one of the main uh, traits of narcissism is a refusal to take any responsibility or to be held accountable. It's never them, they never say sorry. Right, so they have to actually take ownership of their own process and how they behave towards other people, and that's very painful. It's painful when you realise you've hurt other people as well as being lonely yourself, and you really realise it. And some of them, you know, they they can get a bit of help there. You know, it takes quite a while. Uh, and I I hope they do. I wish they do, and I wish they can get that a bit sooner. But generally speaking, they don't usually go for that and. They usually later on in their years, as I said, they burnt their bridges everywhere and they make, the penny may drop, maybe there is something about me, right? They might have a moment of truth then. It will never come from anything you say or do or don't do as such, you know, while you're in relationship with them. Um, so don't hold out for that. I, I urge you, you know. But uh, it, it is available if, if, they, if they want it, you know. Oh, the microphone slipped there, wherever I had it. Um, it's transferential focused psychotherapy. Otto Kernberg is the psychoanalyst who developed that. He's in his nineties now, and uh, you know it's 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 very basic and straightforward. But it's you know you'd have to have a lot of experience in character to be able to deliver it. But as I said, more importantly, if you had a genuine, they'd have to assess them. You know, narcissists seldom kind of go. I think I'm probably a narcissist. I'm going to go get a bit of help. It generally doesn't happen. <laughs> you know, it usually comes after many, many possibly divorces or getting expelled from jobs or thrown out or blah, 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 blah. Lots of, and they burn their bridges everywhere and they, they figure, maybe so-and-so was right. Maybe I do need to look at myself. And then a lot of them don't. And it depends on how far along the spectrum they are. There's a, what I call a malevolent, malignant, uh, dark triad style of narcissist that is quite, I'll use the word evil intent, really likes hurting people a lot. They seldom go for that, you know. So they're there. Uh, I don't know how many of them are, there are, but they are there as well. But look, that's them. You know, they're there. But let's look at then help for the abused person, the person who's been you know, entangled in the narcissistic, uh, how would you call it? What would we call it? The narcissistic. It's not a honey trap because there's no fucking honey. Um, crap trap. <laughs> it's a crap trap, baby, and you've been caught. Um, yeah. Just a couple of things. Uh, there's a, Sometimes you get these uh, acronyms to describe. There's a good one to describe the narcissist, and it's, Craved, C-R-A-V-E-D. 
and the C is for conflict. You know, they love conflict. And as I've said before, narcissists prefer when they're fighting with you than when things are peaceful. They get supply more from antagonism, from fighting, than they do from getting compliments. They like the compliments too, but they love the fact that they've hurt you and upset you. So C is for conflict. They, this is what they trade in, right? The R is for rigid. They're controlling, stubborn, very stuck in their way, you know, that kind of way. They're very rigid in, in their way of being. There's no flexibility or flow to narcissists. They always feel a bit phony to me, you know. Just doesn't, things don't feel right. So that's C, that's our A is antagonistic. They're manipulative and exploitative. They're not geared towards resolution or solution or, you know, let's be open and honest and work this out. They're constantly lying and manipulative and, and creating difficulty all the time. You just get that air when they're around them. Things are never straightforward or simple, you know. They're always pissing on someone's parade. Um, v is for vulnerable. And I put beside that vindictive and victimy. They're very, you know, it's... They're not able to embrace vulnerability as the beautiful thing we know it to be. You know, where the real strength where the real class and the love is in vulnerability in a person. To them, it's victim-y, it's kind of uh, vindictive, it's, they don't like it, you know. That's the way they are, that's the way it's the, the, the vulnerable narcissist. And the E is entitled, we know that one, rageful, you know, and they've, they've got that, like, I haven't been discovered yet feel. So they're full of fucking rage and resentment the whole time. So it's just an interesting one, craved, Conflict, rigid, antagonistic, vulnerable and entitled. And then D is dysregulated. You know, we talk about that in therapy. Their feelings are dysregulated. They're reactive. There's lots of drama, you know. They're unstable. They lash out all the time. They have no sense of balance or ownership of their feelings. They're kind of dysregulated all the time. They fly off the handle when they shouldn't be flying off the handle, you know. They might keep it under wraps out in public, as, as we said, you know. Uh, their feelings don't make sense in the, the way they, the things they react to, always kind of sense of drama or chaos around them. Um, was it Michael Cohen called Trump Captain Chaos? Divisive chaos all the time because they, 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 chaos to them is like they're, they're again they're orgasming in chaos. They love it because people get confused in chaos and then they can operate in there quite well. You know, um, they have a maladaptive style of, of relating. Just in terms of the uh, the kind of stochastic terrorism or the the uh, what would you call it the gossiping and the smear campaigns. There's a great saying. I don't maybe it was Mark Twain. I'm not sure who it was who said the lie is halfway around the world before the truth even has its pants on. What a great saying that is. <laughs> the lie is halfway around the world before the truth even have its pants on. When lies get flight, they just catch fire very quickly. You know, no, the truth will prevail. The truth is much stronger. But the lie goes very quick. <laughs> Be aware of that. But it burns out quickly and the truth will sustain. So sometimes you've got to go through a lot of discomfort of shit being talked about about you temporarily. But, you know, the cream rises to the top. People will vote with their feet. People know who you are. And, you know, the day will be saved. But it's uncomfortable for a while in that sense, you know. So, in terms of recovery from a narcissist, if the first thing, obviously, that has to happen is... And listen, it's not important clinically that they're identified as a narcissist. I've said this before. If you're experiencing all the things I've talked about with someone... Regardless of what you call them, 
it sounds like maybe you want to get out of that, right? So the fourth step is acceptance, is acknowledging. I've got a problem here. I'm not with a regular person. You know, this is beyond just an addiction with someone. You know, and from if I'm listening to what these guys are saying or what Jimmy's saying or what I'm reading, it sounds like this person's a narcissist. But you don't have to get a stamp of approval on that. Listen to your heart, listen to your soul. You will know that you need to get out of this. That's all you need to know. Or I'll talk a bit about if you can't get out what you have to do to stay because perhaps you're tied into someone with, you know, you share a house together or a mortgage or there's kids or you're tied into a job or but they're in your family. So there's other ways to deal with them, you know, because we talk about the, the best solution is to go no contact. Um, and that's really, really hard to do. But before you even do that, somewhere inside you, you're making a decision. Okay. I've got a narcissist here. My partner's a narcissist, my boss, whoever you're talking about. And you don't have to do anything else about that. Maybe just admitting that is enough just to know that. Because you must plan and strategize. Right? You've got a box clever with narcissists. You know, you can't be uh, treating them like normal people. You know, that it's quite different how you deal with them, right? So we've got acceptance now, what's often called radical acceptance. Um, and the radical acceptance comes very much into play if you, you're you not able to move out. You can't physically be away from them for long. They've got to be in your life. You go into radical acceptance in terms of the techniques that you might use to be okay in yourself, to live an okay life. Life is not over just because you can't physically get away from them. If you can, please do. And there's a whole process there in going no contact. Um so obviously to do this, we need support. You know, whether that's reading, listening to podcasts, but we need to be with other human beings who understand us, who are going to support us, who are going to believe us, and who will be patient and stay with us, right? As we've said before on other podcasts, people who can't, we can check in with and when we're kind of going, I think I'm going to give him a horror ring, you know. Just let it go for today, don't do that. Just remember why you left. Remember all the hurt. Remember the heartache. Ah, yeah, but, that are, you know, because we know nurses will throw on all the manipulation. When they do all the nice stuff and the love bombing, that doesn't work. Then they get nasty. They go, I'm going to take me on life, you know. And the part is going to go, yeah, here's a rope. You know, but of course I wouldn't wish that on any human being. But it's very, very difficult when someone manipulates you with the, the one of the most awful things you can be manipulated with. But uh, in my experience... Now, I could be wrong, and if someone is suicidal, I'd call the authorities, I'd call the guard, I'd call whoever, and put it on someone else. So I'm not saying ignore it, but in that situation, their they're, suicide is far away from their minds in that particular time. I'm not saying it isn't, that's not genuinely in them somewhere, it may well be, but at that particular time, they're using it to manipulate, you know. So I always cover my tracks on that one and let someone know, listen, this is what this person has said and leave it because it's it's not on me it's not my responsibility but 99% of me knows they're just doing it to tug on the heartstrings they've no intention of doing that at that time you know it's just a way back in because they get really offended when you make a decision to leave them <laughs> or change your behaviour they get so offended you know it's almost like hang on I'm, I'm the one in charge here I make all the decisions you know no one dumps me uh, so it's a real affront to them as well as they feel quite humiliated you know more than we normally would. So that's not 
for us to do it. That's for them to walk through. Um, and they'll pull out all the tricks in that sense. Um, so, when we've made that decision and we've enlisted a bit of support and maybe we've listened to a few podcasts here or there or somewhere or we've talked to a few people, maybe we go to a therapist that understands uh, narcissism or uh, abuse at that level and we've, we've got one or two, maybe three really good friends, a good network around us, that's priceless. That's really, I talk about firewall and that's your firewall is to have that, have reasonable decent, intelligent, loving, caring people who can say to you, they are awful, they're behaving really badly, you need to stay away from them, or if you still live with them, you need to understand what they're doing isn't okay and try and manage it this way, you know. Uh, we need people to do the opposite, to turn the gas off, really, um, get the electricity in, no gas lighting anymore, and, and recognise that, be able to tell you, you know, to help you recover your real self recover who you really are because that's the journey the journey then is into the self the solution isn't really with the narcissist what he or she does or doesn't do we need to be wary and, and wide to them in the beginning but then we get in touch with the part of us the real freeing part is when we recognise the parts of us that tie back in again and then we address that the narcissist has absolutely no power unless we're cooperating it sounds mad doesn't it I know we're not consciously cooperating, but when you can become aware, God, that's how they get back in. I let them back in, or I, you know, I let them affect me that way. So when I start plugging that gap, recognising that, and seeing the solution, my freedom is in me, not in them. Very, very liberating. Very hard in the beginning. This takes quite a bit of practice. Okay, so good spiritual practice, whatever that may be, prayer, meditation, could be religious, doesn't have to be, or good solid people around you that are affirming, supportive and loving. Hugely, hugely important, right? You've got to have that. That's your firewall. Because I talk about firewalling. You're firewalling are good love, solid love around you, whether that's family members, friends, or maybe they are the nurses, you know. Um, and that's even true even if you have to still live with someone or work with someone, you develop techniques. Then we've got what you've all heard of, what we call grey rocking. It's a wonderful term and it literally means what it says, become a grey rock and a grey rock is solid and it's slightly dull and it's just there and it's just grey. So this is particularly if you're interacting with a narcissist and you have to be in touch with them on a daily or basis or every so often. So you grey rock them, right? That means you don't give them any... Um, you give them limited information, but you don't give them any weaponry to use against you. You don't give them anything. And they're always looking for that. They'll use the induced conversation. They'll try and involve you in something. They'll try and kind of gaslight you. They'll try and pull you into something. You know, they're all, they love doing that, hooking you in. So you just become grey rock. Yeah, you're neither up, you're neither down. Yeah, whatever. You learn little sayings like, really? Oh, okay, leave that with me. Or you say things like, oh, no, I'm not sure that's going to work for me, you know. You, you become very neutral and grey and bland, but you're just bordering, I call it like polite indifference. You're just bordering on like, fuck off, but you're not quite saying that, so you don't give them that that ammunition because they they like that. You're not letting them know you're bothered by them because if you get all grey rubs, some people say, you know, we get really angry with them and I'm not talking to you. They fucking love that. You need to be indifferent almost, but still slightly respectful. 
right? In terms of as you would be with any human being. And it takes practice. You practice it constantly. Being like a grey rock means you don't give them anything. If they haven't got anything, they can't hurt you with it, right? Don't give them any information. And they might be throwing out disinformation. Don't take the hooks. They just want to get you into a conversation again so they can twist you and gaslight you and word salad you and fuck you all up. And then before you know where you are, you've, you've signed up for your bank account to them. You know, they're grifters. They're calm then, remember. That's how they operate. They're transactional. They think of things that way. So you grey rock, grey rock. Can't emphasize that enough. Because think of all the times when we get involved with narcissists, we give them information. We give them our energy. We give them our souls. Give them nothing but basic, basic, very basic regard and respect. It's the minimum. Uh, and you move through and around them that way. Pisses them off, but that's okay. They're pissed off anyway. They're going to be pissed off at something. That's okay. They know there's something different about you. They can't put their finger on it. They're getting annoyed that you're going to therapy. It's bothering them. They're getting annoyed that your friends are back in on the scene. Great. That's okay. And they might try and, you know, uh, sabotage that. They possibly will, you know. But don't let them. You just don't let them. Remember, this is not normal interactions. So you have to you have to be kind of counterintuitive how you deal with them. This is not normal. These are people that don't deal with reason. They don't deal with logic, right? So don't even bring that to them. These literally survive on supply. And you're not going to give them any. And they'll try everything in their power to hook you into getting into conversations with them. Now, obviously, if there's kids involved, you have to have, so you can have, in a way, you nearly become a bit like them, but without the nastiness. You become transactional. You try to stay, really, don't give them any feeling stuff. Right? Firewall that off. You, trans, you know, transactions are very cognitive, very from the head. So you're not engaging, you're not investing any emotion in them. But you're not being nasty because they, they'll pick that up and kind of go, what's going on with you? You're being very polite and respectful. That'll annoy the shit out of them because then they can't say, you've got an attitude with me because you haven't. It's fucking win-win, isn't it? It's, it's cool. Now, it's hard to do initially, but trust me, I promise you, if you keep practicing it, boom, you'll start to feel the effect and kind of go, this is pretty cool. And you'll, you get a bit of a buzz out of it. Okay. So that's grey rocking. Your firewall is the love and friendship you have around you. The other technique, when you get more confident then, right, um, and you will, and you're re- again, you're always reclaiming yourself, you're learning to take back yourself, all those awful things they said and did are crap, don't buy into it. You're learning to love who you are, appreciate who you are, just absolutely. You can get into what I call, or not I call it, but I, I love acknowledging narcissistic plumping or flooding. That's where you pretend to compliment them and you kind of go, you're great. Ah, oh, fuck's sake, you know what I mean? But you're not doing it, it's not draining you. You're doing it for a bit of fun. And as I've, I've repeated this several times, they kind of know you're up to something, but they just can't resist the fact that you're giving them attention and complimenting them, so they go with that because narcissists are quite shallow. So it's it's like they've got nothing else to do with that. They don't know what to fucking do with it. So as we said before, it's like you con the con man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Except you're not doing it for any bad reason, you know? So what, a classic way of plumping them up is the classic thing to be saying to them is like, because they're always coming at the angle like, I'm better than you and everybody else. You'll never live up to me. You just kind of go, yeah. Jeez, you're absolutely right. Wouldn't even dream of getting into the ring with you. 
Very fucking played, yeah. It must be a lonely old place, though, you know. <laughs> well, you throw that in that that could be a bit antagonistic. But you know what I'm saying? You're tempted to say, it must be so lonely being so fucking perfect on your own there. But you can think that to yourself and have a little giggle, right? Have a little giggle to yourself. Just You just do a lot of ooh and ah, and like, jeez, did you? You know, because they're always bragging. Well done, you. Oh, fucking fantastic. And you do it combined with grey rocking. And you do it, if I can act it out for you, you're physically moving past them as you're doing it. Try not to stop with them. Come at them sideways all the time. Yeah, yeah. So you're, you're always on the way somewhere. Always kind of look busy. It's a very, very great thing to do. And Jesus, I have to go. Because they're always trying to nab you, you know. Go away. So I often say it to them as I'm walking by them, you know. They'll say something to me and I go, fucking, how fucking brilliant are you? You know, Whew. You know, I walk away. <laughs> you know, and they're, they're kind of going, was I complimented there or was I grifted? Um, and that's that's really sweet. But you've got to be quite confident to do that. And your other big firewall is, and you can't beat it, is humour. Being able to soften and laugh at yourself and laugh at the situation. Right? Again, humour to the nurses because they never have a sense of humour. Do you ever notice that? You know, humour to the narcissist is also like kryptonite. They can't cope with it. They can't cope with the fact that if you're lighthearted and funny, that's a weapon to them. So be humorous with yourself when you're doing that. You know, you win your little battles. Sometimes they'll still catch it in a moment, but that's okay. You know, that's why you've got to be compassionate with yourself for this. You've got to be very gentle, very patient. You know, it took a while to get entangled with them. It can take a while to untangle. And, and you might have a vulnerable day where they'll catch you out and hurt you. Okay, that can happen. That's all right. Pick yourself back up and you can get back on board again. So you've got your radical acceptance, grey rocking, which is really solid. You think of a mountain or a rock, you know, very powerful. And you're, you're plumping and you're kind of fluffing them up a bit. Like that's just, you're nearly setting them up for a fall. They don't know it, you know. And your firewall is love, care, respect, good friendships, music, creativity, engage back in joy again get right into joy you know um, to borrow one of uh, Romani Dr. Romani's piece she's got that acronym called DEEP and it's where this is what you don't do I did write that down because I'm going to forget it where did I put it oh yeah there it is so the acronym here is DEEP go deep go deep deep down um, and Here's what not to do, right? So don't, D is defend. Don't defend. This supports all the grey rocking that I've just said. So to go with that, you have don't defend, never. No. Ah, but anyway, don't get into it. Don't explain. Don't, ex don't engage. That's the other E. And the other one is explain. So don't defend, don't engage, don't explain. And P is don't personalise. Now P is hard. It's hard not to take personal when someone's trying to put you down or abuse you very hard not to think but it's not personal it's about them you know as you get stronger you get to realise that and it's very freeing when you don't personalise it so you don't defend you don't engage you don't explain and you don't personalise you know um, I came across this recently I think someone sent it to me as I'm drawing to a close with you soon now bear with me it's called The Narcissist Prayer I don't know whether you've heard of it or not uh, by Dinah Craig I don't know who that is but the prayer goes like this this is the narcissist now this is what they're saying this is their anthem that didn't happen and if it did it wasn't that bad and if it was it wasn't a big deal and if it is that's not my fault 
And if it was, I didn't mean it. And if it did, you deserve it. <laughs> That's the narcissist prayer. Will I read it out to you again? Just for the crack. I thought it was fucking brilliant. So this, you have to remember, this is in the narcissist's mind. This is the way they operate, right? So what they're saying. That didn't happen. And if it did, it wasn't that bad. And if it was, it wasn't a big deal. And if it is, that's not my fault. And if it was, I didn't mean it. And if it did, you deserved it. Doesn't that just capture those fuckers completely? That's, that's the way they think. That's the way they think, you know. Um, the other, uh, I'd say, I mentioned uh, earlier on the song by Frazee Ford. There's another great song that I would call, I'd nearly consider the prayer of the recovery, recovering from narcissism. And it's a song by Carsey Blinton, if you know of her. And it's called Fuck Yourself, Love Yourself. How great a title is that? Fuck yourself, love yourself, right? And she's absolutely, you know, she's recovering from a narcissist in the song. It's a great, great song. Great song. Um, she's When she's saying fuck yourself, she's not saying, she's saying that to the narcissist and then she's saying love yourself. Figure you got that, right? Um, great, great, great little groove to the song as well. Carsey Blinton. And there's a fabulous, there's great lines in it, but there's this line, I think it's the chorus. My mama don't like you. She likes everyone. So there's the line. My mama don't like you. She likes everyone. That is not saying no. You might get the very odd, odd, rare mother that doesn't, you know, that, that you don't care whether she likes you or not. But this, she's saying... My man likes everyone, but she doesn't like you. That's a sign, isn't it? That's a real red flag, you know? Um, so I think that the course, if you, yeah, if you think, if you like the sound of yourself, why don't you just go fuck yourself, you know? Uh, if you think that I've been holding on, you just go fuck yourself. It's a great song. It's really uplifting. Uh, if you like music, it's a great groove to it. Um, I'd recommend that if you're recovering from a narcissist or thinking about it, listen to Carsey Blinton. Uh, fuck yourself, love yourself. And if also, uh, when you're making the decision, listen to uh, Frazy Ford Dunn. It's more of a kind of a, a, a pumped up angry one in one way, which is good. And then uh, Carsey Blinton's one's a bit more sardonic, a bit more like ironic, like, fuck you, you know, the, that lovely realisation, I'm free of you, I'm looking at you, you know. And he's, she mentioned that he's a Trump fan, of course. You know, she. Uh, one of the lyrics is that she, I, I found out you voted Republican and you hear his voice in the background. I just think he speaks the truth. You know, one of those typical fucking Trump head nurses. <laughs> um, you give their thoughts. And yeah, that's it. It's Sunday evening, twilighty. Um, going to go have a bit of dinner now, I think. Nice pot of tea. Love me a pot of tea. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I want you to know um, you're a very valuable human being. Don't mind what any narcissist or other person tells you about yourself. You're unique. You're special. You uh, are unrepeatable. You have a particular joy and purpose in this world that no one else on the planet has. So embrace that. And if you're around someone that pulls off that, doesn't move away from them. Don't mind them. You know, Be around people that appreciate you and love you. And they're there. They're absolutely there. So I will sign off for now and we'll talk with you real soon. Peace be with you and all of that. Bye-bye.
thank you for joining me in the Twilight Conversations. If you'd like to get in contact with us regarding any aspect of the show, you can get in touch at thetwilightconversations at gmail.com. So the Twilight Conversations is an independent project. We're not getting any help from anybody, no major corporations or anything like that. So if you like the content, if you like what you're hearing, please continue to support us via our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash the Twilight Conversations.